History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 308th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I am your host, Diane. On this episode, we are bringing you the investigation of the Squirrel Cage Jail that we just did in Iowa, and I'm really looking forward to bringing this to you. Kelly's going to join me, and we have lots of audio to share with you guys. This was the inaugural ghost hunt for History Ghost Bump, so it's very special to me. And it was just amazing to get to see a location that we've done on the podcast before in person. I'm always saying, wow, I'd love to go see that. Well, I actually got to go see that. Before we get into all of that, I want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Maria, Linda, Emily, Kira, Lance, Amber, Jen, Candice, Todd, Emma, Alejandra, Lauren, Vanessa, Faith, Margaret, Savannah, Angel, KK, otherwise known as Karen, who used to host the STAT podcast and is now heading up the Canadian Paranormal Research Group, which you should check out on Facebook, Edward, Jamie, Ty, Jennifer, Nuria, Michelle with two L's, Dave, Katie with an IE, Meredith, Jessica, who hosts Shoes, Booze, and Tattoos. Thanks so much for joining us, Jess. Kate with a C, Clyde, Jennifer, Becca, and finally Incha. I hope I said that right. Apparently that's Apache or otherwise known as Renee. Welcome, everybody. And now this moment, Naughty. The moment Naughty was suggested by Chelsea Flowers. Jacob Miller was a private in the Union Army during the Civil War. He fought at the Battle of Chickamauga in northwest Georgia on September 19th to the 20th, 1863. This was a tense battle with high casualties and a loss for the Union. The only other battle to have more casualties would be the Battle of Gettysburg. Miller was one of those casualties. He suffered a bullet wound to the head, but miraculously he survived with a bullet lodged in his forehead. We all know head wounds bleed like crazy, so when Miller managed to regain consciousness and work his way off the battlefield, the Confederates didn't take him prisoner because they either thought he was as good as dead, or they couldn't tell what uniform he was wearing. He eventually collapsed by a road and was taken to a field hospital, where the surgeon decided he was a goner, and so it made no sense to do surgery to remove the bullet. The next day, the hospital was moving the wounded because the Confederates were coming, and they decided to leave Miller behind, even though he might become a prisoner of war because he was too injured to move. Well, Miller was not about to become a prisoner, so he asked a nurse to fill his canteen, and he was off. This man had some guts and nerves of steel, as he couldn't see because his head was so swelled, his eyelids were shut over his eyes. He had to physically lift an eyelid to even see, so he just made sure to head the opposite way of the boom of the cannons. Eventually, Miller was picked up and taken to Chattanooga. He then had to move again to Nashville. 
All this time, he was carrying the bullet in his forehead. He was transferred again and again to various hospitals and would beg to have the bullet removed, but no surgeon would do it. Finally, after nine months, doctors removed the musket ball. However, that wasn't all that was in there. Seventeen years later, a buckshot dropped out of his forehead. And 31 years later, two pieces of lead came out. So for nearly his whole life after the war, Miller had carried a bullet in his forehead. And that certainly is odd. This history podcast is haunted. And now, this month in history. In the month of September, on the 30th in 1791, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart premieres his opera, The Magic Flute. This was a singspiel, which meant there were both singing and speaking parts, and the libretto was written by Emanuel Scheikeneder. The basic premise of the opera is that the Queen of the Night persuades a young and attractive prince named Tamino to rescue her daughter, Pamina, from the priest Sarastro. Tamino falls in love with Pamina when he sees her picture and agrees, taking a magic flute with him. When he gets to the temple where Pamina is held, he finds that Sarastro is actually a good guy and trying to protect Pamina from the Queen of the Night. Pamina and Tamino decide to join the priest as part of his temple, and this makes the queen angry. She finds Pamina and threatens her that if she doesn't kill Sarastro, she'll disown her. Pamina won't do it, and she and Tamino use the magic flute to go through all the trials they must surpass in order to be part of Sarastro's people. The couple succeed, and the queen of the night is magically cast out into eternal night. For the premiere, Mozart's own sister-in-law played the part of the Queen of the Night, and Scheikeneder played the role of Papagino, a man who joins Tamino on his journey. The opera was a great success and had hundreds of performances during the 1790s. Unfortunately, Mozart would not realize much of the success as he died two months after the premiere. The opera has endured and is still performed in our modern era. The Squirrel Cage Jail is very unassuming. This is a regular-looking historic brick building in the middle of Council Bluffs, Iowa. No one would really know there was a jail inside, save for a few windows with bars in them. A black wrought iron gate closes off the back of the jail, and a colorful statue of a horse decorated with lights stands behind it. We'd featured the Squirrel Cage Jail in episode 284. This would be the first time we would actually get to go inside and tour the building. But we did more than just tour this location— this was the inaugural ghost hunt hosted by History Ghost Bump, and seven listeners joined myself and Kelly as we searched for communication with something from beyond the veil. And we believe we received that. Join myself and Kelly as we bring you the investigation of the Squirrel Cage Jail. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me here. So first, let me ask you for your impression as we pulled up to the Squirrel Cage Jail. What did you think? I mean, overall, the building itself was very beautiful. 
historic looking, but so unassuming. I had no idea that that particular building could actually be something that was essentially a jail or a prison. It, it just didn't seem possible. It didn't seem that large. No, it definitely seemed like it could have been a business building from back in the day. Maybe A bank? Sure, a bank or restaurants, some shops, maybe even somebody's mansion because it kind of has a Victorian look to it. True. Well, what we initially did is we met up with Dolly, Cynthia, and Phil at the Monster Club in Omaha before meeting everyone else at the jail. Oh my goodness, that was so much fun. That restaurant is amazing. If you guys are ever in Omaha, you really have to go there. I actually did a bonus cast featuring this location, which not only had all this really cool movie memorabilia from horror movies that are classic movie monsters all the way up to the most recent It movie, but this location also is haunted. So our group at the jail for the evening would be Lynn and her daughter, Emmeline, Cynthia and Phil, Crystal, Amber, and Dolly. You'll hear them throughout the audio that we're going to share here. First, we all gathered in the front office to take care of money, buy squirrel cage jail wine, and meet everyone. What did you think of the wine, Kelly? <laughs> well, what's the the term? Two buck chuck? <laughs> I it was, mean, it was a little sweet all, for you. It, yeah, it was a little bit much. It said it was award winning. I was primarily interested in, in having the bottle with the label and everything. So I thought that would be fun to add to our collection. That was key. We wanted the bottle that <laughs> yes. said squirrel cage jail wine on it. It has a little squirrel on it. So yeah, that was the main reason why we bought it. The stairs loomed behind us, inviting us to climb into the core of the most unique jail I have ever seen. Three stories of rotating cells, barely big enough to give a man room to stand or lie down, and each set to hold two men. There are narrow bunk beds and a curved area at the back of the cell where the toilet is located. This led to an innovation for the time, a core sanitation system. That would help carry waste away, but it also made the place stink, especially on the fourth floor where the warden lived. That's why eventually the warden moved down to the second floor and converted the women's area of the jail into his apartment. Although we also heard that the hauntings up there drove the warden to not want to stay up there either. The interesting thing about this sanitation system, Kelly, is back in the day when this was set up, the townspeople were actually really upset about it. Not because they felt like the prisoners were being pampered in some way, but a lot of them didn't have toilets in their own homes. And here these guys had toilets in their cells. It was definitely a step up from the honeypot that we've seen in other jails. But would they really want to give up their home with their nice bed for this really cramped space? What did you think when we first saw the cells about the size of them? Oh, they were so tiny. I can't even imagine having two people stay in a cell that size. Having an actual toilet versus a honeypot, it was really interesting in terms of how we heard about the particular prisoner escape that way. I cannot even imagine. Something that we didn't do that I wish we had done is stood inside the cell and stretched our arms out just to see if we could touch both sides because that's about what I think the size of these cells were. Oh, there's no way. I mean, I have... <laughs> 
I have long arms in general. But if I had tried to do that, I would have touched them and then some. They were super narrow. The jail would be a horrible place to spend even an hour, and some men served years in what had to have been a very hot or very cold and stinky building. Now, I am from Florida, so I was a little bit worried that I would get too cold there because it does get colder in Iowa in the evening. So we went back to the hotel room so I could change from my shorts into my jeans, and I was sorry I had done that because it was incredibly hot in this jail. Oh, my word. It was like a sauna. It was so incredibly hot. Everybody was just sweating like crazy. It was very stifling. I could not even imagine being a prisoner in that jail and having to contend with those kind of conditions. And you got to think that in the winter, it would be just as cold as it was hot to us here in the summer. Yes, I would think so. Ashley would be our guide, and she gave us a brief overview of the history and explained the different hauntings they thought were going on. She introduced us to solitary confinement right away. So, the Squirrel Cage Jail. It was built in 1885, and it shut down in 1969. In here is where the inmates would be booked. They could come in. They'd have to take off anything harmful they had on them. If it was weapons, ties, belt buckles, shoelaces... If they're starting to become rowdy and being not very nice, the uh, jailer's going to put them in solitary, which is right through this door. Oh, wow. And then right where I'm sitting. So just right here. Wow. And I love getting this expression every time. Wow. Yes. That's like a coffin. Can I check out the Yeah, it is like a coffin. Absolutely. So there is a door. It does there. open and leads to a hallway. <laughs> So, Kelly, why is everyone laughing right there? Partially because you were offering to get inside. And then secondly, because it was about the size of a short statured person. I mean, it was literally large enough for someone of a slider demeanor. Let's put it this way. It was about big enough for me. So I'm 5'4 and I weigh a little over 130 pounds. And anybody bigger than that, it would be a very tight squeeze in here. It's big enough to stand in. That's all you can do is stand in it. You've got bars behind you, on the side of you, and in front of you. While in solitary confinement, the eating and relieving of oneself was anything but fun. But yes, they would get a pot to pee in if they were in there for longer than well, an that's hour. Their, their little and at lunchtime, they'd get bread and water twice a day. They wouldn't get anything from the like the other inmates would. So they have to stand with the store shut on their face? Yes. And I actually understand oh, that bread and water was more of a torture than it was a, um, oh, oh. a meal. A meal. Because if you only give somebody bread and water, it creates concrete within your body mm-hmm. so it's 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 really not nutrition <laughs> it's very much discomfort yeah mm. so some of you mentioned the lights we did have gas lights at one time when electricity was brought in the other the two better lit up are not electric and the other or gas which matches the one in the kitchen okay so as dolly was pointing out there basically they were given these guys the makings of concrete 
and then they're stuck in this standing position. And didn't she say that the longest stay in there was 10 days? Yes. The one prisoner that did escape, he came back, they caught him, and then he was readmitted to solitary confinement. And he was in there for 10 solid days. I just cannot imagine. I mean, there's not even enough room to to squat or to do anything. No. It's horrible. Yeah, so I'm I'm trying to figure out a, a guy standing up going to the bathroom would work for one certain thing, but for the other, I, I have no idea. And then if you're bound up like concrete, I just definitely torture. Yeah, it sounds pretty horrific to me. Here are excerpts from the rest of the tour, and I want you guys to listen closely. She talks about some of the inmates because they're going to come up again later. So here's the kitchen. The jailer and his wife, his wife would live here. They'd have to, she'd have to cook for all the inmates, and she would not get paid very much to do that. This is the original sh- stove that she cooked on. That back picture shows a little annex type kind of square box. It also gave more room to have her cook and stuff and prepare the meals for all the inmates. And here's different kinds of contraband that was taken off of the inmates, mainly alcohol bottles. (laughs) When uh, they were out in the yard, people would pass things through the gate out there, or the fence out there, so they'd pass it around the jail. Too big. Get away with it. <laughs> now I'm gonna explain how our jail works. So our jail is the largest one built. Ours is a three-story. If someone was clear over here and you needed him out, we would crank him around and it would take six minutes to let each individual person out. So it would take him a lot longer just to get him out because everyone gets a ride. <laughs> and each, um, each floor has its own way to let you, uh, one way in and one way out. Basically, it was made for maximum security with minimal supervision. So there was only one jailer here. Uh, in the 1960s, they cut the bars. You can go into some of them. Uh, the fire marshal said it was not safe. I mean, our mechanics kept getting stuck. We would uh, be stuck there for a while. <laughs> now, is it? It's welded stationary now, right? Yes, ours uh, does not rotate, unfortunately. The one in Croftsville, Indiana, does. <laughs> so if you look it up on YouTube, you can watch it spin, which is really cool. It's crazy. <laughs> Different kinds of weapons taken off, and then this is where uh, the jailer's wife would come and pass the trays for the inmates, mm-hmm. so she wouldn't have to have contact with them at all. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We, um, this is where they would rotate, and I would be the one moving, and the one standing. So different kinds of escapes are along the wall. My favorite, like I said, was the guy who was in solitary for 10 days. <laughs> he somehow pried the bottom piece of the, bat, um, the, the toilet out, got in, went through our basement, and out. Through the sewer. Wow. Yes. Twice. Wonderful. Lovely. Different kinds of locks and shackles that were used. They really wanted to make this inescapable and it failed. But most of our inmates were caught. The one here is what we call our paranormal cell. A lot of people ask me, is this cell haunted? Um, no. I mean, it could be. <laughs> but 
we have our evidence in here. We have different kinds of um, investigators that have been here. Um, this is the one I like to point out. It's also in the trustees room that we can go in. This one was caught in 2018. You can see there's a figure standing. How the how the light shines through in the room. This is throwing the shadow. Wall, and you can see the shadow figure there. Mm -hmm. The guy in the hat. And we think it's one of the jailers. Hmm. Interesting. He's also pictured in this one. Let's just stick their hands out pretty far. That's a way down there. Yeah. So like I said, we're the largest jail built. The one in Gallatin, Missouri is a museum. It's a one story. And the one in Crawfordsville, Indiana is a two story. And it still rotates. A lot of them were built 18 total. They all did not look like jails from the outside, that's for sure. No. Uh -uh. I, I did not know. Yeah, it is beautiful. We had um, farmers riots uh, here. We had, the jail was overcrowded at that time. And the police were on the inside of the gate protecting it from the people trying to get in and getting their families out. There was a deputy that was killed, not in the line of duty per se, but it was an accident. His gun went off and he was shot in the office. Wow. Oh, and that was Deputy Dale. Is he the only one that passed in the jail? Him, an inmate had passed, um, had died over there as you walked into the cells. He had fallen asleep on the third floor catwalk. You weren't supposed to be up there, but he was, fell asleep, and fell to his death, pretty much. Um. There's two more deaths that happened here. I'll tell one up. Um, on the second floor, the other guy, he smoked a lot. This one died of a heart attack. The most um, fingerprinted inmate that we have here was the Pennsylvania Fifth. His name was Richard Wilson. He was a hobo from Brett, Iowa. One of our most, I guess, dangerous, <clears throat> we have serial killer here. His name is Jake Bird. He had killed up to 44 people. He liked to break into people's houses at night. And his weapon of choice was axe. Not really good for Wiska. He was here for a little while until he was transferred to a penitentiary where he had other behavior. Then went back to killing people. When he was caught in Washington, he admitted to more murders. Um, then he put a hex on everyone involved in his uh, trial. They would die before him, and five people did. Oh, wow. Clips of I don't know. Along this wall, there are the Mad Dog Killers, Charles Kelly and Charles Brown. So they went on a three-state killing spree, ended up in Council Bluffs. They were caught very easily. Um, they were here for a while until they were transferred to Fort Madison where they were hung. This is part of one news and this is the a little bit of the other one. The deputy that was on their case went there to witness them being hung and he cut the rope and gave it to us. Hmm. <laughs> Here's a little souvenir. <laughs> yep. It's a cool souvenir.
I've always been pointed out that this is cell number 20. So this is one where Thomas Rifle had hung himself overnight. He loved a girl from Red Oak, Iowa who did not love him back. He tried making advances to get her to love him. Um, she said, if you don't stop, I will get the police involved. He didn't stop. So the police were involved. He got a warning, pretty much, you know, leave her alone. He got into bootlegging to try to win her over, which didn't work. And he got caught, ended up here, pretty much said, I'm just going to kill myself since she doesn't love me. And he hung overnight. We actually found the article from the newspaper and it was very graphic, but hmm. no one beside him knew what wow. was going on with him. Wow. So he strangled overnight. Three or four. Four recorded deaths, but for being open for so long, I think they just good. stopped yeah. writing them down. Oh, is what we think. Gotcha. <laughs> First, I was like, oh, that's less, good. Less paperwork. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you come over here, we'll go into juvenile detention. Thank you. The so one here is juvenile detention. Is that you? Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Who's made for seven to seventeen year olds? Five five year olds. Pretty much if your parents were caught doing something naughty going to and they're going to jail, you're gonna go to jail too. There was no daycare back then or no one could watch you. We worked with the Christian home to find places for some of these kids to go. Across the hall would look a lot like juvenile detention before it was into an apartment. That's sort of where we were housed. That way they could always see their kids. In along the floor, if you lifted that up, there are some cigarettes remaining in there from some of the inmates. The last, when, the, when the bars were cut in the last nine years of abuse, the adult males were brought up here, and that's where you're going to see all the lovely graffiti and all the smoke. Oh, yeah, I was wondering. I was wondering, I'm like, man, the kids are smoking too. <laughs> yeah. It was, really it was a lot easier to put them here than to have to deal with everyone in the cage because you'd have to have backup pretty much. Yeah. Some of the paranormal things that I've experienced here, um, I was in the archival room on this side. Uh, scanning pictures in and heard I was the only one here and I heard whistling and I was like great I don't have my recorder going thanks <laughs> yeah. I was kind of upset about that I was like so then after that I had it on every time I was like if you're gonna whistle whistle while it's on <laughs> yes please it's like I know there's your spirit stuck here but like please be polite and let me know that you're here yeah know that other other people know that you're here exactly this music box has been known to play by itself I've been on a few ghost tents here. We're on the second floor where Jake Bird's area is, sitting there with a spirit box. Something told us to get out really aggressively, which scared me because I've never heard anything like that before. And I'm like, why are, why are we not going? And they're like, we're not leaving. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like okay. He's talking, let's go. <laughs> they said everyone's name except for mine. And I was like, I've been here three years, you can't say my name. They said it at the depot though. I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> a lot of people have heard footsteps. They're gonna have shadows. They like to play kind of what I call cat and mouse, 
you know, if you're downstairs on the first floor, you're going to hear something going on on the second floor. So when you go up there, you're not going to hear it anymore. You're going to go back down on the first floor. That's what they did when Apex Iowa was here. When I was with them, I was like, okay, this is fun. Some come over from the funeral home. I was wondering about that when I saw the funeral home over there. Yep. And there's actually, um, where the parking lot is on that first one, there used to be a funeral home there too. Okay. So there actually was more funeral homes along this route than just those that are there. Yeah. They bought it out and then they tore down Bean Belford, which was the older one, and they had a parking lot. Okay. Well, I figure what we can do is go down to where the kitchen is. People can drop off their sweatshirts because clearly we're not going to need them. I thought we were. <laughs> and then we can. I have some stuff I want to make sure everybody gets just in case people decide to leave early. I want to make sure you get your stuff for coming for the meetup. And everything. So we'll just head down there and then you're free to do whatever you want to. If you all want to hang out together, we can do that too. Yeah. Those inmates called the Mad Dog Killers, Charles Kelly and Charles Brown, they're going to come up again as we conduct our investigation, especially Charles Kelly. So Ashley sets us free and we gathered in the former kitchen and gathered our investigation equipment. And when I tell you guys that this was our inaugural ghost hunt, there's probably many of you who are going, wait, you've done ghost hunts before. The reason why I call this a history ghost bump ghost hunt and our inaugural one is because previously we've always done ghost hunts with other groups. This one, we paid the deposit. We set up the event. I ran the thing. It was just our group, which made it awesome because when we do catch some things, we're able to converse with each other and figure out what did you hear? What did you get? You're able to talk to each other. Whereas when we've gone with groups before, we didn't even know most of the people who were with us. So we couldn't ask them later, hey, you know, can we debunk this or something of that nature? So this was very cool. The other really cool thing that we did, for those of you that support the show and are in the Facebook HGB Losers Club, this is where you started joining us. And we ran a live investigation for our executive producers for around one and a half hours. They got to see everything as it happened live. And we did several dousing rod sessions and they got to ask questions too. We were asking questions that they were throwing up in the chat. So I just want to remind you guys, if you donate a dollar or you sign up to support the show at a dollar, you are in and I changed it. So now it's for a lifetime. So you will always be in there. A buck gets you in the door. It's basically the cover charge. And then you can join us for these live investigations. And we're going to have some more coming up here in the future. The top floor is where the warden and other guards lived. And Dolly had gone up there before us and said the warden's room seemed to be active. So we thought, well, why don't we go up there first and see what we get? Up here, it said that the spirit of the jail's builder, who was J.M. Carter, still hangs out because he used to live in the apartment. There's also a previous jailer haunting the fourth floor as well. He was named Otto Gafoth, and his full-bodied apparition has been seen. We didn't see any spirits, but we did have experiences. The first thing that happens, unfortunately, Kelly, you didn't get to experience it. Oh my gosh, I was so upset, but... Dolly needed a new battery for one of her devices, and we were downstairs messing around with that, trying to get it to work, making sure everything was on the up and up, and yeah, we we completely missed out on that. So what happened is Kelly and I were at Lowe's, and we saw some mag lights, and I went, you know what? We should buy one of these little mag lights because we've seen them used on investigations on TV, 
a few of the ghost hunts that we've been on, the people who've been hosting them have brought flashlights with them and they've done the flashlight experiment. I've mentioned it several times on other episodes. This is basically where you turn on the flashlight, you unscrew the mag light just enough that it turns the light off and then you set it down and you see if you can get a spirit to either turn it on for you and then turn it off. I've seen, I think on Ghost Hunters, they used to say, light it up with two little flashes of light to tell us yes, one flash for no, that kind of thing. When you watch this stuff on TV, Kelly, it's easy to say it's rigged. Yeah, I mean, there's really no way to disprove it one way or prove it the other. When you're watching it on TV, when you experience it in person, is completely mind-blowing, especially when it is reacting precisely to your questions. Even when we've had it on ghost hunts that we've been a part of, I've always in the back of my mind wondered, do they have some kind of magnet or some way that they're able to turn that on and off? It's happened in many places, and I every single time it's happened, because as you all know, I am an open-minded skeptic, and even though I'm starting to lean more towards believer, I still have a big chunk of skeptic in me. So I've always had a really hard time believing that that is honestly happening. Absolutely. And Kelly, since we are both skeptical, we can guarantee you that anything that we present to you as evidence is legit. We have not doctored anything in any way. Since we were in control of everything that was happening here, this was the best way for us to prove to ourselves and the seven listeners that were with us that there is something going on that we cannot explain because we all knew that we weren't fooling around, that we were honestly here to seek some kind of communication and that we weren't, you know, trying any tricks or anything like this. So I had never tried the flashlight experiment for myself. I didn't even know. Did I unscrew it enough? I really did not know exactly what to do. Absolutely. I mean, when when you're in the process of going through that, there's always that little portion of doubt in your mind. But then when you see that reaction, and actually with the flashlight, the fact that we kept retesting it and it kept reacting to us, it just was completely mind-blowing. So we couldn't ask for anything better than to have our first communication be the flashlight turning itself on. I'm going to go ahead and play the audio for you guys here. And for people who are watching the video, they got to see it happen live. And Kelly, you remarked, wow, you didn't even seem all that (laughs) shocked about what had happened. And so we were laughing about it later because I told everybody, it took my brain a minute to realize, oh my God, the flashlight turned on and... You were so calm and cool and collected. And I was listening back to that thinking, what in the, like, what? (laughs) You were just, you know, you kept it all together and you were professional about it. But in my mind, if I had been there, I would have been freaking out. (laughs) The only way I can explain it is that with the podcast, I've had technical issues happen during interviews and things. I've had to keep it together when things have not gone right or whatever. And that's the only way I can explain this because I told everybody I may have sounded calm, but my heart was going do 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 And I had a number of thoughts going on. Number one, I was like, holy crap, this actually works. Two, I was like, oh, this is so amazing because I'm leading this and you really want something to happen. I did not want to have all of these people joining us and then have absolutely nothing happen for the evening. So to have this be the first thing out of the gate, I was like, yes, okay, I've gotten something to happen. So we've taken care of that. And then thirdly, you are the consummate professional, (laughs) I have to say. (laughs) And then thirdly, I was like, 
oh my gosh, there's something here we can't see. Yeah, that that was the most exciting part of the whole entire experience. So that's what you're going to hear here. So we have a flashlight sitting right here near the sewing machine. If there's anybody in here with us and you'd like to communicate with us or say hi to us, could you turn that flashlight on for us? I know sometimes it can be difficult to do that and it takes a lot of energy, but if you would come over and touch it in some way that you could turn that on for us, we would appreciate it. If you don't want to, you don't have to, but we would appreciate it. Okay, so uh, you definitely want to talk to us. Thank you for doing that. Could you turn that back off for us? I know that's even harder than turning it on. If you could turn that back off, we would love you to do that. Really would appreciate it. Kelly's got the other thing that I need. We'll ask, uh, we'll bring the dousing rods in here and we'll start asking some yes, no questions and see who we have in here. You can leave the flashlight on if you want to or you can turn it off, whichever. Sorry, it's really bright. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. So that second time that I'm saying thank you is because it turned the flashlight off then. And when it turned it on, you're like, so, okay, thank you. (laughs) I mean, good grief. (laughs) I'm good under pressure. What can I say? Indeed. So we were waiting for you and Dolly to join us because you were going to be coming with the dousing rods. And as we waited, the ghost radar on people's phones were giving us words and such. And we were discussing the volumes on it, you know, turning it on, turning it off that kind of thing. And we did talk about the ghost radar. I think it was on our McPike Mansion and Mineral Springs episodes where we said, I usually poo-poo these apps, but I've gotten some really good results with the ghost radar. So we thought it would be fun for everybody. It was a piece of equipment that they could all have on their phones with them. And so everybody loaded it up and had it going. Or I think a couple other people had some other apps, but we thought it gives them something that they can play with. Yeah. In general, it gave everybody, you know, that extra level of participation. And we have had some really good results. So there were some some really good experiences related to that. So as I listened back to the audio, I was reminded of an exchange that happened. And I think we caught something. I'll play it a couple times to see if you guys hear it. And then we'll discuss it. So it might even make a noise. I'll turn my sound off. Maybe that might be why. Hello. Yeah, if you turn your sound on, we'll hear it. I just hear hello. Was that you or did I hear your thing do it? I clicked it on. So it might have just been the click for the sound. I heard a male voice saying hello. It's possible, yeah. Well, it wasn't her ghost radar. No. <laughs> you didn't hear it? I did not hear it. No. Did it sound like it was coming from behind you or next to you? In front of me. Mm-hmm. I thought it came from... I thought it was her. They oh. going off. Because I, I swear I heard a male voice say hello. Just like that. I got two dots now. Go back to one. And I'll go ahead and play it again. So it might even make a noise. Turn my sound off. Maybe that might be why. Hello. Yeah, if you turn your sound on, we'll hear it. I just hear hello. Was that you or did I hear your thing do it? I clicked it on, so it might have just been the click for the sound. I heard a male voice saying hello. It's possible, yeah. Well, it wasn't her ghost radar. No. (laughs) You didn't hear it? I did not hear it. No. Did it sound like it was coming from behind you or next to you? In front of me. Mm-hmm. I thought it came from 
I thought it was her. They oh. were going off. Because I, I swear I heard a male voice say hello. Just like that. I got two dots now. Go back to one. So I don't know if you guys heard it in there, but what I'm going to do is pull out the specific spot that I want you to hear. And that was Cynthia saying that she thought she'd heard a male say hello. And I don't think she was hearing things. I don't know why she's the only one who heard it, but I just want to clarify here as well. We had one male with our group and I believe he was standing behind Cynthia. He definitely was not in front of her. There was nobody standing to the front of anybody there. So if she'd heard it coming from behind her, I might have thought it was Phil. Later on, I listened to Phil's voice as we recorded him and it definitely is not his voice. He has a much deeper voice than this. So what I'm going to do is go ahead and, and play the isolated part for you guys now. So it might even make a noise. I'll turn my sound off. Maybe that might be why. <laughs> hello. Yeah, if you turn your sound on, we'll hear it. I just hear hello. And I'll go ahead and play it again. So it might even make a noise. I'll turn my sound off. Maybe that might be why. <laughs> hello. Yeah, if you turn your sound on, we'll hear it. I just hear hello. So what I did is I amped up the part saying hello, and I'm going to go ahead and play an even more isolated part of it. Hello. 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 So basically what I want you guys to hear there is this did not sound like a robotic voice that would be coming from the ghost radar. Most of the ghost radars had a female voice. I listened again to Phil. I listened to any male ghost radar words that came out. None of them sound like this. Yeah, to me, it sounded like a younger male voice. The other thing is you guys are going to hear as we play some audio where you will hear the ghost radar saying words. This sounded like it was saying, hello, like a question. You know, can you hear me? When the ghost radar says a word, it doesn't say it as a question. It just says the word. No, not at all. It's very robotic. And the other thing is on these different radar apps, they archive the words. And first of all, everybody would always say the word again after it would come on their phone so that we could kind of, you know, does this word seem like it makes sense? Do we want to go with it? Or are we just going to ignore it? Because we ignored a lot of words that came through as well and never did anything say hello. And I can tell you if the ghost radar had said hello at this point, because we were asking it to say hello, I would have been like, whoa, that's really cool. So the fact that we didn't have any of the ghost radar say that nobody's archived list had hello in it, clearly it was not coming from one of our phones. So I leave it to you guys to decide, did we catch a male voice saying hello to us? Just to prove to you that the male voice on the phone app is different, I'm going to go ahead and play a comparison of the two for you. <laughs> and I'll go ahead and play it again. So the first word that you hear there is from the ghost radar. You hear one of our group laughing and then you hear the hello. hello. So you can see those two don't sound anything alike. We then use dowsing rods to communicate. After a little while, we asked the only male in our group, Phil, to take the rods. And this was because he was a total skeptic. And so we felt he would get the best results since he would not be prone to making the dowsing rods move with his own bias. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to bring these rods in here, and it'll make it a little easier for you to communicate with us. I also am holding this device in my hand, and you can talk into it, and we won't be able to hear you right now, but we'll be able to hear you later if you would like to say anything in there, like maybe you would like to say your name. And we could actually start, and we'll go around the room, and if everybody would just say your name. Lynn. Emily. Bill. Cynthia. Amber. Crystal. 
and I am Diane. So we are pleased to meet you, and we'd love it if you'd introduce yourself. And if you could tell us what you did here, if you could speak into this and let us know, were you a warden here? Were you a prisoner here? Were you from somewhere else? And you've just come here because you're attracted to the energy that's here. Okay, so I'm not sure if you were aware, but... Um, oh, I got exist. I hope this doesn't blind you. I'm oh, sorry if it does. If you would like to communicate with us with these dousing rods, Kelly's going to show you how to say yes. Just cross them like this. And then to say no. Cross or push them away. Okay. So the first thing that we'd like to know is if we are speaking to someone who was a warden or a guard in the jail. Yes. Okay. Did you stay in this room? Is this the room that you lived in? Yes? I'm not sure. Yes? Yeah, that's a yes. This one's really good. Can I suggest we have the most skeptic here. Sure. Yes. Can he, yeah, he, he'd be the one. Because he, he's not going to sway them one way or another. You, you, you understand me, sorry? Okay. Okay. Come, come over here. Do you want my phone? He won't. He's not. He's, he's also the only male in our heart. Okay. Who would like to ask a question? Did you die in here? No. Well, that's good. I wouldn't want to die in here. It is really warm up here. <laughs> And I've always wondered, you don't think it's warm? Okay. <laughs> like, no. What I'm wondering then, uh, this will go with it, can you, in the form that you are in, can you feel heat and cold? Can you feel when it's hot, like it's hot up here to us? Can you feel that? Are you unsure of what I'm asking you? I have to say, Kelly, you're really good with the dousing rods. In regards to the dowsing rods, I just, I am such a skeptic overall. I never really expected to have the results that I do. I'm just always kind of floored by the responses that we get. Dolly's EMF detector went off several times. The first time was in the cells where the juveniles were kept. This was a separate area from the rest of the jail. And we also had the ghost radar say, draw. And we had a fun interaction based on that that I'm going to play for you here. It's going up to orange. And if I was near something that was a constant source, it would stay yeah. at that point. It wouldn't yeah. It yeah, like it went away back now. and forth. Uh-oh. we scare you? Sorry. If you stand next to Dolly, you might make that thing light up. It's kind of a cool game if you can get it to go to red. We'd appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I'm sad because it was someone was here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. There we go. Thank you. She came back. Do you think you can light that up to red? Can you make it go all the way to red? That one's pretty easy, too. If you get next to it and touch it, I bet you can make it red. If you gave Dolly a hug, it would probably mm-hmm. go red. <laughs> Dolly would go red. <laughs> Getting shy. I'll take a hug if you're scared and we'll need one. Do you like to draw? It looks like some people drew on the walls in here. Did you ever draw on any of the walls or the tables? He's trying to hang no. (coughs) He 
he's like, no. That's good. That's oh. a no. I didn't do that. That's good. You don't get there trouble when you He's yep. like, I, yep. I did oh, not I do it. Okay. Thank you. We know it can sometimes take a lot of energy, Please, especially when there's so many people life. in here asking questions. And I just want to point out to those of you who are watching, uh, Phil is a skeptic. Complete. So I asked this upstairs. I'm going to ask it down here. We often wonder, we can't see you, so we wonder if you can feel things. For us, it's really hot in here. Can you feel how hot it is in the jail? Yes. <laughs> that's yeah. a yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a weird answer, right? Well, that was just, it hit okay. the other one, so yeah. it was pushing it. So you can feel hot and cold. You can feel hot and cold? Yes. Wow. Okay. Wow. I've always wondered. And for you guys, maybe you didn't hear that in the background, but on the uh, ghost radar, we've had hot come up twice. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And heat once on mine. And, and heat on yours. Mm -hmm. So, and it definitely, I can tell you it's hot. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking I should have worn my shorts instead of jeans tonight. Yeah, the interesting thing, Kelly, is that on the walls, you can still see all of the words and things that have been scratched into it. There was an original table sitting there that had all kinds of etchings and scratching into it. Yeah, they had, at least for the people that smoked that were in there, they would have their burned, I don't know, they would burn things and then use the, the charred parts to write all sorts of things on the ceiling and on the walls. I just can't imagine in the afterlife, in the spirit form, having to contend with the heat that was in there because, I mean, there were several in our group that it was really weighing on. I can't imagine having to be there and experiencing that the whole time. Well, that's something that's a little bit different about the way you and I do investigations. Obviously, we're going to ask the questions like, is there anybody here with us to see if you've got somebody there to begin with? But I have all these other questions because I have this mind that goes all down these different rabbit holes. Yes, rabbit holes. <laughs> and so it was one of the things that I had asked earlier uh, when we were discussing, we'd gone with uh, Jessica and Arena, and I'd said, you know, questions that I would like to ask is, can they feel hot and cold and things like that? And so I thought, well, here's a good opportunity since we're getting some kind of communication with the dowsing rods and whoever we were speaking with seemed to indicate that they could feel when it was hot and cold. Yeah. And I can't imagine even, you know, living in that environment on top of the smell, just that type of heat. And I'm sure it's very cold in the winter. And Arena had already said, because they had toured the squirrel cage jail before, be sure and bring sweatshirts and everything to try to stay warm. And so we were thinking it was going to be cold and it was so hot. But obviously, it gets very cold certain times of the year. Now I'm going to play this clip and listen all the way to the end. I'm not sure what it is, but throughout the evening, we heard weird noises. As a matter of fact, Kelly, you and I, a couple times, we heard what sounded like rocks being dropped from an upper cell. Yeah, it sounded like little pebbles and they were just being tossed from the third floor on down to the bottom and there was nobody down there. It was a very slight sound and it wasn't just us. Other people in our group heard it too. You can also talk into the recorder that we have here, and I would love to know how long were you here for? Were you here for months? Were you here for a year? Multiple years? Yeah, it's saying yes. So it's here for a lot longer than a month.
So I know it's hard to hear, especially if you've got some background noise, make sure you put your earbuds in there. But it sounded to me like a banging noise at the end there. And it was not us. And the reason why I know it's not us is because we banged a few times that I would edit those out. And you can hear the banging is like right there. This was like off in the distance somewhere. It was really nice in terms of the whole investigation because it was just us. We had the one tour guide, the one gal that was in charge of locking everything up at the end, but we knew where everyone was. Yeah, and she was just sitting quietly down in the office. So, (laughs) yes, she was downstairs where it was cool and she had a fan blowing on herself. (laughs) She wasn't going anywhere. I don't blame her. And (laughs) I know. The thing that I liked about the investigation that we did is we didn't do an overnight. This was a mini investigation. So we did it from 8 p.m. to midnight, which was perfect for us because it was already going to be past our bedtime. Oh, so far past. (laughs) And after doing an overnight at Villisca, I prefer these mini investigations, I think. Absolutely. We're we're getting too old for this. <laughs> no, we're not getting too old for this. But you know, it seems like when we do these investigations, we get so much confirmation in such a short amount of time. We don't need to be doing it for eight hours at a time. No, definitely not. Now I'm going to be playing a clip for you. We're still in the juvenile area, and then all of a sudden our ghost radar starts spitting out words like crazy, and we get the feeling that we're talking to a young inmate. We would love it if you would touch this REM pot. It's going crazy. What was that word? Steal. Mistake. Steal. Steal. Mistake. I got mistake. Okay. So so did you feel like you made? Unhappy. 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 Did you feel like you made a mistake and that's what you got in trouble for? Was it just a mistake? Yes. Or the other question I was going to ask you is, do you feel you did do something wrong and it was just a mistake? Sorga? Yeah, maybe So I'm thinking we did, we didn't really do anything. It's a mistake to be put in here. Jessica wants us to ask if they know what time of year it is. Do you know what time of year it is right now? Yes? Oh, thank you. Can you say into one of these ghost radars what month it is right now? What month are we having right now? You can also talk into this recorder over here. We just can't hear you right now. Or season. Do you know what season it is? Can you say what season? Definitely goes with hot. <laughs> Jessica also wants us to ask, since you can feel that it gets hot and cold, can you, f- yes, we know you can feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But what I wanted to ask you is if can you tell that it gets cooler at night? Although in here, I don't know that it does. Hey, I wouldn't say it does. Can you tell that it gets cooler in the winter? Yes. Yes. So that one noise that you're hearing, we're pretty close to the airport. So occasionally there'll be airplanes that are flying overhead. So that's what you were hearing there. And what you're hearing, it's kind of staticky. And then you hear us saying yes or no. 
I had to amp up because we would, in a very low voice, we'd say what the dousing rods were doing because we had a flashlight on it. So people watching the live video could actually see what was happening. But we also wanted to say it out loud in case we wanted to play back the audio like I'm doing right now. So that's why that sounds a little bit weird when you hear a yes or a no after that. Kelly, if anybody doubts that the ghost radar does actually give you legitimate words, I thought this little combination was about as legit as it gets. We're sitting in a juvenile jail cell asking them, you know, did you do something wrong? What got you in here? And it says steal, which is a crime, S-T-E-A-L. Then it comes up with the word mistake and then unhappy. Yeah, I mean, I I felt really badly for the spirit that we were talking to at that time. It definitely felt like there was a lot of regret, just the overwhelming feeling of that. And then in response to the conversation, I mean, obviously, it recognized that something wrong had happened, that they had done something wrong. But it wasn't it it didn't seem like the actual crime was something horrendous. You know, it could have been something just for their own survival. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not something that they necessarily should have been in jail for. And certainly not in that kind of jail. Now, something that we haven't pointed out yet is we did say that Lynn was here with her daughter. We didn't tell you guys what Emma's age is. I think she was 12, right? I believe so. So we have an interesting thing going on here because we have a kid with us and we're in the juvenile area. So it was really cool to have her there. And what I loved about Emma is not only was she excited to be doing this ghost hunt and she was not scared at all. No, she was a rock star. She asked some great questions. Absolutely. So we're going to continue the dousing rod session here. And this time you're going to hear Emma asking a lot of questions. We also had, of course, people who are watching the live asking some questions as well. I asked towards the end if the spirit gets tired, and then I think I hear something very low. I amped it as high as I could without distorting it, and I'm thinking I hear a yes. The reason I don't think this was one of us is that I didn't have to amp up any of our voices this much, even when someone was whispering. This was very faint, and none of us responded as though we had gotten an affirmative from the rod. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's an EVP. So I'm going to play this whole little segment for you. And then after that, I'll go ahead and play the part where I'm hearing yes amped up. Could I ask a question? Yeah. Right. It said yes. It said yes. It said, yes. <laughs> it said you can ask. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hold it? Why don't you hold um, the dousing rods? Next? I would prefer not to because oh, okay. I've just you don't want to sway it. Yeah, just in case I have very shaky hands. Um, did you have friends living here? No, no. That's a good question, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you interact with the other spirits that are here? No, no. Super no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could I ask another? Mm-hmm. Were the other kids mean to you? Yes. So, since that's the case, do you leave this cell? You do. Do you like it when people come here and visit and ask questions? That's good. Thank you. Yes. That was a pretty definitive one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Avoid. Avoid. You avoid people when they ask. Could I ask another one? Mm -hmm. Or maybe avoid the other kids. Are you lonely? Oh, that's good. Not necessarily. Okay, that's a good thing. We had somebody want to ask you, can you leave the jail? 
I know that you said you can leave your cell. Can you actually leave the jail building? No. <laughs> has to stay here. Yep. Wow. Time. What'd you get? Time. Time. Do you know what time is? Do you understand time? Mm-hmm. Accident. Was it an accident? It was a mistake. Yes, it was. If it was an accident, was somebody hurt? Did you hurt someone to get in here? Yes. yes. Do you get tired? I'll wait till he clears an off again. Do you get tired? Chris wants to know, did you die in the jail? Somebody asked that previously, and it says no. Okay. Same answer, though, so that's maybe it's somebody else answering. So it's really hard to hear. It was that part that I had that you can kind of hear the noise in the background getting really loud, kind of staticky. I'm going to go ahead and play just that section one more time for you guys. So, I don't know. Did you hear that, Kelly? I definitely heard the yes. It sounds like a child or like a female to me. And I know that there were, when when people were incarcerated there, their children actually would be too. They would lock up the kids at the same time that they locked up the adults. And the interesting part is when I was watching you doing the editing and you can see all the little graph of the different voices and everything that didn't even come up, but yet I definitely hear it. Yeah, I. It's uh, such a different level. I almost didn't get it. Yeah. I could just barely, barely hear it. And the highest I can take something is up to a twenty decibel, and I took it all the way to the twenty decibel to get what you're hearing there. If I took it any higher than that, it would get really, really distorted. So, I mean, I have this cranked as high as I can possibly get it without distorting it. And it still is very, very faint. And to me, there's no way it could be as you even heard a whisper in the audio that I just played. You can hear the whispering pretty clearly. It's low, but it's not that low. And if I was to take that whispering up to a 20 decibel, it would hurt your ears. It would be too much. So this was that low. Yeah, it's completely different. And none of us, you, you don't hear us saying yes or no when I am asking the question. It didn't seem to answer with the dousing rod. So we didn't even say anything about it. Now I'm going to play another little bit of audio for you here. And I want to see if you guys hear what we thought we heard. Definitely sounded like some kind of a, a almost boot, heavy a boot. Thud. Yeah. 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 Back that way. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. I'm going to go ahead and play that for you again. So it's right at the very beginning. We did not make that noise. You hear whispering, which is us whispering. That's not an EVP or anything like that. And basically we're whispering to each other. 
did you hear that? So, I mean, we're hearing something, and unlike Ghost Hunters, where they ask each other, did you hear that? You guys don't hear anything? I amped it up so that hopefully you can hear it. Here it is again. Definitely sounded like some kind of a, a almost boot, heavy boot. Yeah. 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 Back that way. Mm-hmm. Yep, All right, Kelly. So now we're going to go to the second level. And this is where things start getting really crazy with activity. I don't know if you guys remember from the tour audio that I played earlier, but we decide that we're going to stand outside the cell where the inmate hanged himself. This is the guy who had been in love with a woman who was not in love with him. He got arrested. And since he just had no hope of ever having this woman, he decided to kill himself. And so he hanged himself right there in the jail cell. I also want to point out to you, so we're standing outside of his cell behind us. And when I say us, I'm talking about Kelly and myself, because we're all kind of standing in a semicircle outside of the cell. Right behind Kelly and I is this display case, and it has a noose inside of it used to hang the Charlies that I told you guys to remember that we were going to talk about them later. The EMF Dolly has starts going crazy, and then Kelly has her hair touched. I'm going to go ahead and play this audio for you guys right now. And you're getting orange, really strong orange. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, we're almost to red. Can you make it go all the way to red? Thank you. Were you the gentleman that hung himself in his cell? Yes. Oh. Did they just say no? <laughs> What was that? Available. Yeah, I'm hitting red. Yeah, we're going all the way to red. Oh, you are hitting red. Yep, you are hitting red now. Thank you for getting that to go all the way to red. You seem to have a lot of energy. Can you turn on the flashlight for us? We would really appreciate it. We love that you're getting the EMF going like that. We have a flashlight here on the floor that you could turn on. Nope. Until I said that. When I asked that. So, did you want to ask it if it touched your hair? <laughs> here, I'll stand behind you. <laughs> Please. Okay. Did you just, this is Kelly that's holding the dousing rods. Did you just touch did my you? hair? <gasps> yes. Well, she doesn't want you to touch her anymore, so please don't. We won't touch you either. Sorry, it just makes me uncomfortable. <gasps> Thank you Thank for turning you. the light on. We appreciate that. Thank you. Can you turn it? Can you turn it off again? Thank you. <laughs> Did you dot? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for turning that on again. Did you dot? Will you hold the EMF or the um? <laughs> so you said that you died in the jail. We're wondering. Did you die because you were executed? Thanks for turning the light back on. I went straight to yes. Okay, so you were executed. I know behind us there is a noose in a box. Was that noose used to execute you? Oh, wow. Yes. And your dousing rod went yeah, to yes, too. Yeah, okay. What were their names again, do you remember? Charles and Charles. Charles Kelly and Charles something. Okay. Could you turn the light back off, please? Thank you. 
Okay, well, here's the interesting thing that we have. So you heard me say that this woman whose hair got touched, her name is Kelly. <laughs> so we, I was referring to her as Kelly. Yes, oh, and your name is Kelly, too? If your name is Kelly, too, um, would you touch... How about this EMF right here? Can you make this one? We'd love for you to make that one. Okay. And so this is Charles Kelly that we're speaking with. <coughs> Did you can maybe not? <laughs> we have a lot of energy right here. Did you commit the crime that you were? We didn't even get to ask yet. Actually, well, I just heard a noise back here. Too. I did too. It was the same sound, like yeah. something yeah. tapped, like being dropped, mm -hmm. like a little pedal or something down there. Okay. Well, let me ask you the question before you start answering. I, I know you already know what I'm going to ask you. Oh, it's fading. Okay, thank you. Okay, here's the question. Did you get touched again? Mm -hmm. Okay. Like I said, we don't want you to touch Kelly anymore, please. Please don't touch her anymore. We've got all kinds of activity going on with the flashlight right now. And what I want to point out to everybody, of course, is we all know this, but that flashlight's not even on full strength that it can be, because that is a very bright flashlight. So whatever's manipulating it is manipulating the energy that's going to and from it. And it's doing a lot of back and forth. It's not turning completely on. And we've been using it the same way all night. Yeah. So it's definitely being manipulated by something. None of us are near it either. No. I'm assuming that it's Charles Kelly that's manipulating it. I was going to ask you if you committed the crime that you were executed for. But you keep pulling Kelly's hair, so I don't want her to put the dousing rods up. I appreciate the communication, but you do not have permission to touch me. You did you commit the crime that you were executed for? Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. So we have a whole lot to talk about here, Kelly. Oh this gosh. was just absolutely nuts. If you want to have something happening during an investigation, this was it. We had, as everybody could hear, the flashlight turns on and off once, and then it does it again and again, and then it, it, it was doing it a lot. And this, to me, showed us that this is not like, you know, the flashlight heats up and then it cools down and this is why it's turning off and on. It was doing it on command. And I mean, when I, we'd oh, ask it, it to... very direct. Yeah. When we'd ask it to turn it off, it was like, bam, it yes. was off. And as I pointed out there, when it was on towards the end of this audio that I was playing... <laughs> it was messing around. Yeah. I mean, that flashlight, <laughs> when that flashlight is on, it's an LED, it is... I mean, it lights up the whole room and it's just this itty bitty little mag light. And so this was very... It was about half strength is what it seemed like. And it would kind of do this pulsating thing. Mm -hmm. So it definitely felt like we had something manipulating it. We also were hearing noises, like I, not quite footsteps, but Kelly and I had heard the rocks dropping at this point. There were people who were hearing other noises coming from other places. And then the big thing here, Kelly, the whole is thing that was very disconcerting for me. You I, got touched twice. Yeah. I mean, the whole entire time I was getting such immediate answers with the dousing rods and I was trying to clear them and it's, it, I was barely able to lift them up and it was reacting. And then with the whole... Can, whole, can you explain or describe what was it like to have your hair touched? Was it just like it, it felt like something poked a finger on you or was no, it something else? No, it felt like 
somebody came up behind me and took a small handful of the whole entire back of my hair and grabbed it and then slowly lifted it up, not tugging on it, but lifting it up and then dropping it slowly. I mean, it was... I was trying to hold everything together. And that's why initially when it first happened, I was whispering to you because it just really threw me off. I was not expecting that whatsoever. Yeah, when you whispered to me that something had just grabbed your hair and touched it, that's when people hear me saying, okay, I'm going to get behind you because I was like, I don't want it touching you anymore. It made me super uncomfortable. So then I stood behind you. And then, of course, a little bit later, was it Lynn and Emma both came over and stood right in front of that display case like they wanted to have their hair touched? Yes, and Dolly. They all Dolly did it too. You're like, right. We, we want to do that. Too. We <laughs> we want the same experience. I'm like, Kelly's, you guys are nuts. You, you go have at it. Yeah, Kelly's like, don't touch me anymore. And they're like, hey, touch us all you want. <laughs> I do have to say, you have really good hair, Kelly. So... Oh. I can see that it would be a temptation to a male inmate who oh, hasn't maybe grief. been around a lot of women or whatever and is like, I just want to run my fingers no. through it. Oh, my goodness. Now, this Charles Kelly, I believe that's who we were talking to. Yeah, it really seemed so. like that was the indication that we were getting. And he was bad news murderer. And yeah. he clearly said, yep, I was executed and I did the crime. Right. Carla Borgela works with the Historical Society of Potawatomi County, and she said that she'd had the following experiences, which I think you'll find interesting, Kelly. She said, I've had my hat pulled off my head and my hair played with. Oh, I didn't know that. So this claim that she made seems to be backed up by the fact that you yourself had your hair played with, too. So this is definitely something that happens at the jail. Oh, good grief. That just gave me chills all over again. And I don't know what it is about your hair, Kelly, but the kids wanted to play with it at McPike Mansion. But you said it was definitely very different. different. It was so different. That did not creep me out at all. I mean, it definitely gave me pause. You know, and it was my first experience in terms of having anything touch me, but I never once felt uncomfortable. And I don't think it was just the environment in terms of McPike versus the jail. I mean, it's easy to say psychologically, you know, oh, these are are killers or these are bad people and you don't want to have them interacting with you that way. But it just overall, it just left me with a bad feeling. Well, and even a little bit different is when we were in McPike Mansion, and we were down doing the dark session, it was pitch black, you could not see your hand in front of your face. And that's when your hair was getting touched. Yeah, and that didn't creep me out at all. It didn't make me uncomfortable. Well, that's the point I'm trying to make. At the jail, we had some ambient light. The flashlight was on, lighting everything up. So it wasn't like we were in pitch black, which would kind of lead you to feeling a little bit more creeped out. Right. And I was trying to stay more positive. I I have, you know, during the recording, I have several nervous chuckles because I just, that's what I do in uncomfortable situations. And it just, I... I was trying to hold it together because we had a whole group there and I'm, you know, trying to clear my mind and do the dowsing rods and everything. But yeah, it it made me very uncomfortable. Then the activity seemed to kind of calm down there. So we're like, well, maybe we should go ahead and try some other areas. There's an infirmary here. And so we go in there to see if we can get any activity in the infirmary. Well, I feel like we've gotten some really good interactions tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I know you were hoping we'd have some. Do you feel like we had some? Well, yeah. <laughs> just this last bit, I was really surprised. Yeah. Oh. Kelly's like, I wish we didn't have that last one. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is um, that's the second time you've had your hair touched and we've been at a location, right? Yeah, but that didn't feel the same. It was different? Yeah. Did it feel more aggressive? or? Um, not as, It just didn't feel good. Yeah, it was like being touched by somebody you didn't want to yeah. touch you. It wasn't like when it felt like it was little kids. Gotcha. Very somber room here. Mm -hmm. The one thing that's different about this is that it's um, got the peak to it, so it doesn't feel as claustrophobic as everything mm -hmm. else yeah. is felt. Yeah. I think I'd have a hard time sleeping at night knowing what's sleeping below me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine how bad this place stunk. Oh. Yeah. And All you know the scent would come up this way. Oh. Well, they said that's why the one warden moved down from upstairs. Yeah, because it was like kept coming <laughs> What did it say? Sorry, that's my stomach. <laughs> Citizen? It was funny. We were walking around a house, and I was listening back to the recording. So I was listening to the EVP, and I'm like, oh, that almost sounds like a, like a growl or something. And then I realized, you know what? I think that was my stomach, stomach growling. <laughs> so we're in the infirmary. Is there anyone in here with us? If there is, just cross them to say yes. Is there anyone in here? Well, what was that? Did you just bump that? Okay. Well, I'm, 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 I'm a little joking. <laughs> Johnson? What? Is that your Super last name? Laughing. Oh, well, you're the one who did it. Yeah. Awesome. That's really my last name. Yeah, she's the one that made the sound. Yeah. Personal. Yes. Guess what? Were you a sick patient in here? Is there anybody in here with us? Yeah, I know you're in here. I didn't do that. I heard that. I heard I didn't it. Do it. Yeah. You know you're in here. You can talk to us if you want to. You don't have to if you don't want to either. But we'd appreciate it. Are you touching the dousing rods right now? Playing with them? I mean, there's definitely something that's messing with this one in my hand. So I thought it was kind of funny that Amber made that noise that you were like, what was that? Did you do that? And then at the same time that she had made the noise, the ghost radar says Johnson, which happens to be her last name. Coincidence? It actually wasn't just a noise. She bumped the bed that I was kind of leaning against. And so I just felt this vibration. Oh, okay. too. That's why you were like, I'm a little jumpy. <laughs> yeah. It kind of freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> and then I, I had to play the fact that I caught my stomach growling. And I mean, it was so loud. Everybody yeah. in the room could hear it. <laughs> we both have noisy tummies. Yes. So I was like, I'm sorry. That's my stomach growling. Yeah. And then the other thing that I'm saying there is, we, we're asking questions and we're waiting for the dousing rods to cross each other. And I'm the one holding them at this time. And they're not doing anything. They're not crossing each other. They're not going away from each other, but they're bouncing up and down in my hands. And so that's why I'm saying something is messing with these dousing rods. And that's why I keep saying, I know you're here because something's messing with these rods, but they're not moving. And so it was like, whoever was in there was just playing with us. It wasn't responding to us in any way. And it was just kind of bouncing that around. If the ghost radar really was saying Amber's last name, that's kind of freaky because how the hell did they know her last name? Well, how the heck do they know anything? I mean, really? 
Next, we're going to head into the trustees room. And the first thing you're going to hear in this audio is a word by the ghost radar. Right. I know the light is very bright, but we can't see where we're going. So we don't want to trip on the stairs. I don't know if there's anybody in here with us, but if you would like to communicate with us, we have a variety of ways you can do that. You can either turn on this flashlight here, you can use your energy to do that. We'd write to yes. We'd love for you to turn it on. If you turn it on, we'd appreciate it. We also have EMFs, and if you go near them, Dolly has one, and we have one right here. If you touch it, it will light up. Or you can talk into this gizmo. I often wonder if they like look at all this technology we have at the web. Sorry. We'd love it if you turn that flashlight on for us. So that's the last bit of audio I have for you. Clearly, there wasn't really much going on in the trustees room. We decided to head back up to the fourth level where the warden's room was, where we'd gotten some activity, and we sat in a circle in an outer area that was there. There was an organ in there and a music box that sometimes plays by itself, and we wanted to see if we could get the music box to play. We'd also heard that there were ghost cats up here, so we wanted to see if we could get any kind of activity with them. And we really had no activity the rest of the evening, and we packed it in at midnight. And I have to say, Kelly, it almost felt like we were all really tired, too. I felt really drained. Were you feeling drained? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were exhausted at that point. Yeah, it was about that time that Dolly's like, I'm out. We're going to Villisca tomorrow night. So she she had left, and... I just felt like, you know, I think we've all been feeding off of each other, the spirits and us, and we've just drained everything. So there was no more activity from them. We were tired. We just decided to call it a night then since it was about midnight and stuff. Yeah, I mean, we had received so many great connections and activity, so many awesome experiences, even disconcerting ones, but it really had ramped down for that last good hour, Mm -hmm. hour and a half prior to that. We spent three hours inside the squirrel cage jail. That's really not enough time to get a scientific feel for whether the jail is haunted or not, but based on our experiences and the bit of evidence we collected, there definitely seems to be something unexplained going on here. Is the squirrel cage jail haunted? That is for you to decide. I know what I think. And what I think. 
It's definitely something. Is it spirits? I don't know, but there's something we could not see. We were having some activity with it. This is a great place. If you are ever in Council Bluffs, make sure you take the tour there. Even if you don't want to do a ghost hunt or a ghost tour there, please do the historic tour. It helps to fund the building to keep it alive and going. It is one of three that are left, and there had been 18 at one time. So the whole entire system is just absolutely incredible. Yeah, this is money well spent. You have to see it for yourself, and it is the most affordable ghost hunt that I could find out there. So it's a really great thing. I have no doubt that we will eventually probably visit it once again. Looking forward to it. Want to encourage you guys to check out the website at historygoesbump.com. And if you want to send me some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. I got an email from Rob. He was letting me know that he loves the show and he's been going back and listening to old episodes. He's done a couple of the ghost and gravestone ghost tours, and he pretty much agrees with me. <laughs> Not big fans of those. But he wanted to let me know that he had two favorite shows that he's listened to so far. The very first one, which is about Ripley's Auditorium, which I loved hearing, Kelly, because so many times I've heard people complain because the audio is so bad in that first episode. (laughs) So I was happy to hear that. He also loved the Marilyn Monroe episode. And then he said his wife and he had a lost time experience when doing a ghost tour inside of Ripley several years ago. Oh, wow. We cannot explain what happened, but when we were leaving from the second floor portion of the tour, the girl only a step and a half to two steps in front of my wife coming down the stairs was no longer there when we turned the corner in a long hallway. What did not seem like a very long period of time for us, of us looking for an exit since everyone was gone in our party, we heard a voice ask where we were. It was our tour guide who came back in to find us. What was a full parking lot when we entered the building due to all the people on the tour was now a ghost town. There was no way everyone would have had time to get in their vehicles and get out of the parking lot before we came out of the building. Our guide told us she had been waiting for us to come out for a while before she went in to find us. We were just so confused, we never thought to ask her how long it had been. That is insane. After having taken that same tour myself with you, I cannot even imagine on the second floor. I mean, that had to be a huge portion of time. Exactly, because you're in a group. You're going in a line one right after the other. It's I I don't even know how you would get separated enough from the group that you wouldn't see anybody. And to have this person that was in front of you only two steps, it's basically they go around the corner and you're about to go around the corner. And when you do, there's nobody there. Right. I mean, I don't know how that's possible because it's not like there's these little jagged corner here and a jagged corner there. You turn a corner and you've either got a stairway or a long hallway. So you'd see somebody. Yeah, that's crazy. I I can't imagine. (laughs) And then for everybody to have stopped talking, gotten in their cars and driven away by the time you get outside. I mean, they probably, based on the fact that the tour guide waited a while before she went in, I'd say 15 minutes had to have at least passed. Yeah, for me, in terms of where it sounds like they were located, I would say 15 minutes or half an hour. Well, Kelly, I want to thank you for joining me on this episode. It was great having you. Well, it was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. I want to thank Margaret Anderson for your one-time donation. It is greatly appreciated. I want to thank Victoria for raising your monthly donation. You are now going to be moved under a marble headstone. 
and welcome back into the cemetery, John Michaels. You'll be under a chest tomb. You can find History Goes Bump on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Play, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs>